You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Tuesday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your emergency host, Craig Fowler, and I am joined by Joel Sked. Hello. And Amy Canavan. Hello. And it was going to originally be Gary Cocker who was going to be on this podcast. I imagine he would have been hosting the podcast and it would have been on Monday night. But Gary called off sick with some mystery illness that meant he went to his bed at nine o'clock on a Monday. I didn't really get any other details other than that. that uh, Except for the fact that he had a sore throat as well. So he's cried off. I've stepped in the, the following day and I've not seen as much of it. might have liked usually, but I've managed to watch three games. And between us, we've watched five of the six matches and we've seen the highlights of a very routine win for Rangers that we'll talk about at the end of the show. But we shall begin with what I think everybody would agree was the most keenly anticipated game of the weekend. It was the one on the Saturday evening for the massive American audience that are definitely interested in mid-table. Well, actually, that's a, a very kind that's way of That's been describing. very kind. Very yeah, I was kind. going to say, that's a very kind way of describing Dungeon United. Also ran Scottish top flight teams. There's obviously a huge American audience for that, as, as big as they are into Scottish soccer, as they would call it. Which is obviously it's disgraceful why this game was not uh, shown on, on the telly or in several countries because it was obviously bringing in a massive audience. Anyway, I, I digress. It finished Aberdeen 3, Dundee United 1. The game was at Tannadice. It was Jim Goodwin's first game in charge. I have not seen any of this except from the highlights, but I am fairly aware of the fact that Dundee United were the much better team in the first half hour, better team in the first half, but they still managed to lose. Joel, give us your thoughts on this one. Ryan, Ryan Edwards, my oh my. <laughs> my oh my. Uh, to be fair, so you're, you're having a laugh about the American audience and stuff. I was delighted it was six o'clock because it meant I could get home from the Hearts game and, and, and watch it uh, unfold live. And yeah, United were... United were the better side in the first half, but they were they had lots of shots. Without make, uh, without 
many clear-cut opportunities. I think they had recorded more shots than perhaps they have done all all season. It was a performance which I think a lot of United fans certainly first have to encouragement for uh, encouragement from just with the intensity the team played that the, uh, the the energy they had and the, the their their attitude towards the game they really tried to take it to to Aberdeen. Did see? I think both all, all three of us would have seen in the group chat that uh, it was suggested that Jim Goodwin was uh, his game plan is going to be hit Stephen Fletcher as often as possible. <laughs> it's exactly what they did because I think he averages. I think I looked up uh, looked up earlier. He averages sixteen aerial duels a game. He had thirty eight in this game. Uh, mind looking at the stats on football in terms of aerial duels won and like aerial aerial duels contested, he was miles ahead of anyone else uh, on the park. But he can't find the target. No, he scored one goal in nine now, which is um, which is a big issue for United because he is our only striker. And it's a bit, it's a bit standard for his career, though. Yeah, I, I, really, I really like him. I think he, he brings so much to the uh, so much to the team, but he can't be expected to do it all. And you look at behind him, McGrath. Um, he's done well under United, uh, under Goodwin before, and then Ian Harks has never really a, uh, never been a goal scoring midfielder. So yeah, they, you look at the for, for all their hard work, it was quite a workmanlike performance without the uh, without the creativity and incision in the final third. The best United were getting out of that was a nil nil. Um, and I think that's that's totally what Joe's alluding to. It's a a fatal combination that they concede awful awful goals, and they cannot score goals. Dundee, there there was for all um, as, as Joel said, the possession and the energy and the appearance of a new manager bounce. How we'd like to hear that of recent weeks. Um, there still didn't seem to be that final end product. Um, and you know. Yes, obviously Jim Goodwin is going to have to come out and say all the right things because he has to. He thinks that he had those 12 games and he can get them out of this position. I really don't see how he thinks that because they're they're just they just cannot score goals and they simply have to score goals. Um you know, Aberdeen, uh, as much as they have improved as well under Barry Robson, which is not obviously also going to um, be too kind on the eye to, to Jim Goodwin, um, they're not the toughest test that they're going to come up against. And I think that's a worry as well. Um, so even with the, the dominance and possession that they had, and th- there was some nice bits of play, um, as you would expect from United, and as, as we should expect, because even just the names here that, that Joe's rattled off, you know, there is a squad there, hence why there was so much stupid now optimism at the start of the season of right what can United actually do um, but they just simply cannot score goals and if you have you know a leader a central defender uh, a captain who is putting in a performance like that on a on a massive massive night for the club the manager um, that is just it's really rather uh, unthinkable actually um, it, it was a, a dreadful Ryan Edwards performance and it's not actually the first one either is it he he simply cannot play as a left-sided centre-back sorry a right-sided centre-back in a back three he can't play on any side of a back three because he's <laughs> He's so slow. He's seen off all all three goals. Slow, lethargic. He tripped up at once. He just he's just he can't he can't move. I think he'd funny. Be good. They're funny. 
He's, he just he, he just he needs he's a centre back in a back four who defends deep. He's very um Christoph Berra esque towards the end of time, his time in hearts where he had to just stand on the edge of the box, head clear. But if you turn him, if you get That's him a great wide, comparison, Joel. That is a brilliant comparison. I mean it's, it's only it's, comparison half of his hearts. It's, it's, <laughs> right, it's right, it's Ryan Edwards putting his hands in the air whenever a teammate comes near him with the ball as if to say, do not give that thing to me. I think he's. I, I would give him more credit on the ball than uh, the, than the better perhaps, but uh, he, he can't. He just he just can't turn, and you can see it with the way. I was I was curious why the why Aberdeen played Duke uh, Duke on the left because I just I think he's you want he's the type of player you want to get involved more. But you can in the second half you can completely see why they wanted him out on the left because he's not going to track back, but he could expose that. Uh, those spaces down the flanks of the back three. So, Ryan Edwards. It, it was still nil-nil until Duke produced an absolute moment of magic in which he's done several times this season. He's, for all Aberdeen's faults, for all the flaws, for some of the hilarious results they put in, he has undoubtedly been one of the best players in the Scottish Premiership this season. And there's not many guys that can do that. I, I know, I, th- I think I already know the answer to this already, but the question begs to be asked. Joel, is there, was there anything you saw here that thought, Dundee United might get out of this, or are you just, cons- are you you just thinking now that, no, nah, that says, as Amy says, there's just too many fatal flaws in that team, and they're going down? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 Amy, Amy got it spot on when it's just a fatal combination of lack of goals, incision in the, the final third and defensive calamity in the in the defensive third. They've just don't from the from the very first moment of the season, they've just not had the defensive balance, whether that is in whether they can play a back four or a back three. I don't think really either suits. And they don't have a defensive midfielder which protects such a, a, a porous backline. And the fact that I seen like chat afterwards is oh Jim Gooden might look to use Anaku a bit more and hopefully he brings a bit of Pace and energy. The final third obviously won the penalty. It's very much uh, clutching at straws. I say this now; they'll go and beat Livingston on Wednesday night. But going from like everything you've seen, it's just uh, one thing after another. Decision game. The Italian is this is a team that uh, it points to a team that's just going down. It is. They just they've made too many poor decisions. Too uh, the squad building's been poor and yeah, it's just a, a team free falling towards the championship. Which means in two months' time when Jim Goodwin has got Dundee United off the foot of the table, it's going to be an even greater achievement. He'll be the manager of the year and he will be getting touted for the Rangers job. Um and I can't wait for that. I would I would love to see it happen just for sheer bants. Um to see Jim Goodwin be able to get Dundee United off the foot of the table, but I I don't see how it is going to happen. In all honesty, an ex an ex sorry, can I just button? Why the fuck did he take the job? I think because... it's a huge club. Um, Dundee United are a huge club, and I don't know perhaps where else right now Jim Goodwin would maybe think. Okay, I might be able to get in here, there, or whatever. He's obviously he's wait got to a the summer. The wait to the summer once they're relegated. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, you but then, does he want to manage you, in the you, championship you, though? You alluded. You alluded to the. 
he alluded to that and well he alluded to that he, he talked about that when he got announced that so many people said just wait until the summer wait until the summer I thought he'd wait until the summer because when you've had a failure uh, as a manager as he had at Aberdeen your next decision is crucial and I can see why he might have thought right United kind of I'm in a no-lose situation here because I'm going to go in there. I'm not expected to do anything. But it's if he does, if he get relegated, then it's another kind of uh, kind of negative on his. It's CV. a black dot, isn't it? It's yeah, another and, black dot. And you, you see, ask where he goes from here. But to answer your question, Phil, I just think that's his. That's his mentality. He's gone in there thinking, "I am good enough. I'm a good enough manager." Uh, he's backed himself to go out to go there, sort them out, and get them out of. Um, to get them out of uh, relegation, you, you can admire it. You can think it's naive, um, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a tough job. If you took it a week before, when Motherwell were also or, well, or two weeks before, when Motherwell were also still a bit rank, then that's fair. Now the fact that they're nearly top six, my goodness, their their rise has been so incredible. Um, I I don't understand, but like I say, I think he, Jim has seen the future. He knows in two months' time that all plaudits are going to be headed in his direction and we'll all be um, eating some humble pie. Well, Amy, like you talk- tout- Sorry, just uh, Amy touted him for the link to the Rangers job. Amy, he's an ex-Celtic player, so when Ange Postacoglu leaves in the summer as well, <laughs> he'll be touted <laughs> as ex-Celtic. Ange Postacoglu is going nowhere. That is why it was the Rangers. There's no way Jim Goodwin can give up his season ticket at Celtic. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, Amy, you did yes. say that Aberdeen have been improved under Barry Robson. What did she, we've talked all about Dundee United. What did you make of the visitors in this game? Um, I think that was a performance where um, of late Aberdeen when they are against it as they were, you know, United were, were the better side, they simply were in the, in the first half. Um, and it's been very easy of late to see Aberdeen crumble to that, lose a rather sloppy goal um, themselves, actually. And, like like giving know, away a Raj penalty? Uh, potentially, potentially. Um but yeah, I, I just think there's something about Aberdeen right now. There are um, the they, they are certainly playing for Barry Robson more than they, they were for Jim Goodwin, um, and I think that that will probably frustrate them as well. But then maybe not because Jim Goodwin said the the players always had his back. Um, I think performances on the pitch would certainly suggest otherwise um, at times, and that's where I, I really do feel for Jim Goodwin, and I feel for any manager like that because that really annoys me. It's the same with like Motherwell and Stevie Hamill. As much as we're, we're, you give um, Shirt Kesselwell credit, and yes, he's made tweaks, but you know, players it's just sometimes magic that they can almost now be arsed. Um, 
But yeah, Aberdeen have managed to quietly, and I think that's the way that Barry Robson would like it, um, you know, shift up to a bit of safety. I think I saw something the other day on Twitter, perhaps being a little bit rogue, thinking that now, you know, Europe could be on the cards now for Aberdeen this season. It could now be a fantastic season um, for Aberdeen. Um, I, 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 I said rogue. I said rogue. It's not my words. Yeah, I saw some Aberdeen fans on Pie Bob Roll saying, oh, we've got hearts coming up. Let's, let's, let's just... I can see us catching them before the end of the season. Exactly. Put them De- back in their place. Settle, settle bloody down. Settle bloody <laughs> down. Because, well, even if Aberdeen, even if Hearts are going to collapse towards the end of the season, Hearts have they played well in about three months. So it's not entirely out of the realms of possibility. But if Aberdeen are going to catch Hearts, they're not going to catch the next team they're going to talk about, which is Hibernian. Seven games undefeated now in the league for Lee Johnson's side with five victories in that time. And Joel... I'm concerned. Are you concerned? Joel's uh, thinking, what hat uh, do I put on? What hat do I put on? No. <laughs> You're oh, such no. a liar. It's the wrong hat. It's the wrong hat. Oh, no, it's Joel, Joel making a prediction. Oh, no. I just, I, I think, I think Hibs have left themselves too much to do. It just, when you look at the... It could be two points tomorrow night. It could... I don't want to say easily, but the Hibs, I think if Hibs have got the makeup to finally give the makeup of their side to finally give Michael Beale his first defeat as a Rangers manager other than against Celtic. And if that happens, Hearts aren't winning at Parkhead or getting anything at Parkhead. So it could be two points. That's not a big hurdle to climb. <laughs> that's not a big that's we're not a big hurdle. Standing at the weekend. Hibs were Brilliant! It's one. Of the, it's been a wee while since I've seen them in person, um, and I thought, wow, this is a totally different side. Um, they obviously went down one 0 and then, but it, it, the best thing that happened to them was going down one 0 because the reaction was tremendous. Um, like I say, they, they were they were comfortable playing against eleven men, and then they absolutely cruised it when playing against ten men. The, the, the red card changed it, but nothing that wasn't already going to be happening. Hibs were all over a Livingston side who, you know, had their problems and we'll come on to that right now. But the, I'm going to sound, um, I'm going to try and, I'm, no, I'm going to use the phrase, some job that man is doing. Um, Lee Johnson, he has managed to turn things around um, in recent weeks, obviously since that, that Aberdeen game that will keep getting alluded back to. But I think it's, it's so important to remember that Johnson, you know, there were absolutely stories prepped. Lee Johnson is going to be sacked as, as Hibernian manager. Um, almost like Joel prepping Chris Wilder to go into Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> it's just quite funny. Um, we've all been there. We've all been there. But no, Hibs um, are very much on the rise right now. And there was just so much to love about their performance. I cannot believe Yuan is a, a goal scorer now. And he, and he actually is a real life goal scorer. Him. That's the thing. He's, he's, he's not, never been a bad player. He's, I have said say, on record that he was like the worst attacker I have ever seen in front of the goal because it was just dreadful. It was dreadful. He, he, could, he, was, oh. he wasn't. No, he, was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was dreadful in front of the goal. Yeah, it was dreadful. It was, yeah, goal. it was it all in front of goal. Attacker. No, no, no. A dreadful attack in front of goal. Just the, the worst person possible to have in front of goal. Um, I not not a, a dreadful player, not at all, but in front of goal. But now, now he's scoring for fun. Like the the first goal in particular, um, is stunning. Um, it's 
awful from Livingston, absolutely awful. Um, but it's, it's a cool, calm and composed finish, and it's all in the build-up as well. Second one is the, the, is the, the, the finish is a little bit scruffier, um, but it's the work that he's putting in. But I would be worried if I was a Hearts fan. I'm absolutely not. Um, and I find it quite funny that you are all going to be sweating a little bit and looking over your shoulders. It's, it's, not, it's not right. They were, they were under irrelevance for months. And then all of a sudden it's like, hang on, where did you come from? <laughs> Go away. So, so John Johnson spoke Johnson spoke about it yesterday and he said if they are if Hibs are to have any chance of overturning hearts, they need to be undefeated in the next two derbies. Uh, would you trust Hibs in a derby? I wouldn't think so. No. Hearts have got we'll lose the next we'll lose against Celtic. I've not won there since two thousand and nine. Um and but, since the battle fever already. But awaited await Aberdeen it's other fixtures that make me concerned, Joe. It's the fact that we're having to go to Kelly and Aberdeen. <laughs> no, we've got uh, Kelly. Kelly are rubbish. St Mirren at home. Kelly are rubbish. But when when the Hearts ever play well against Kelly? You also got beat by Kelly in the cup. And they're like the only they're one of only two wins away from home this season. Uh, and, and, we, and we needed a Natty Atkinson left absolute vo- screamer vo- volley from the edge of the box and injury type of rescue draw there earlier this season. So. But we also pumped them the last time they came to came to Tynecastle. They had a great record at Tynecastle. But anyway, Hibs. Um, no, the Hibs. Hibs have improved. Uh, improved drastically. I've I really liked because uh, you, you look at what they did against Aberdeen. You look at what they did against Hope McKelly. They were um, they were very very impressive and against Aberdeen. Very impressive in the first half against Kelly. And then you think, oh, it's just Aberdeen and Kelly. However, they won at St Mirren. Um, a, a very hard place to go this season, and then yes, and then on Saturday was was a, was a statement win in a game that they had to win if the build up if they wanted to challenge Hearts, which they did, and it was a very a, a very um like exact performance you need when you go to Livingston when you don't have the ball you need to battle and you need to uh, put well, pressure on them and make it difficult for Livingston that's, that's what I was going to say is that I think Hibs have actually finally got the midfield balance that they've lacked all season and that probably, is, probably even a lot of last season as well CG Egan Riley is yeah. incredible what a player what yeah. a player he's a very good player he's he um, it's, it's, it just is his composure on the ball, he uses it so well. He doesn't do anything fancy, but it's, it's not just like sideways passes. He just gets it, wins it, and he looks to play forward. Is uh, he's, he's tenacious and he just yep. pops up everywhere. And I thought like Jago as well. I thought he was much a much more refined performance. He talked yep. about him being a bit scruffy in possession. He's uh, I thought he was he, he was really really good and then um, well the, fish the the well fish was cracking. He was brilliant. Yeah, but uh, that's that transformation is something I certainly did not see coming. It's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. But Joel is spot on that that midfield. Um, the Egan Riley, I, I could have watched them all afternoon. It was the, the pockets of space that he was picking up. Um, and and it's been a long time since, obviously, that that Hibs midfield of McGinn, McGill, blah blah blah. Um, they've they've really managed to have someone that can be so in control. And you know, he wants the ball at his feet. It's not panicking. It's not. It's not nervous. Um, he he's a fan. Well, obviously, they're not going to have him for very long. Um, he's been a fantastic scoop. Um, up until the end of the season, a, a really really just all round tidy player. So there's they two. There's the Jago, who's the fetcher. Yes. Egan Riley, who's a fetcher and the carrier. Yes. Uh, Josh Campbell providing a bit of 
goal scoring threat and just a bit of quality. Uh, again, 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 sentences. I, I don't really know if I could be saying not, not that long ago. We're providing a bit of quality for the attacking midfield. And I also like Ewan Henderson on the right of the midfield. I don't really like Ewan Henderson, but you saw it with the build up to the chance that, uh, which one was it? Oh, the it was Hopper the, one. Yeah, the Hopper one on one, where he, yep. he wins it back twice. Yeah, mm-hmm. midfield, and so he could come in as well. So he's somebody that drifts in from the right because he's usually a centre midfielder. So it now just means hims are very hard to kind of play through in that centre midfield area, and that was the complete opposite before. And this is the hope that I have with Hibs. Well, the hope that I have is that Hearts have a five point lead, and I still think Hearts are a better team anyway, and regardless of what Hibs do, Hearts should still finish ahead of them the season. But the hope that I have that it's going to be easy and they're not going to make us sweat for it is that Lee Johnson's shown already this season that. He can sometimes muck around with a good formula if somebody comes back at this side that kind of demands to play. So I would like to think that with Hibs players coming back, it's 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 good, obviously. You want players, you want some of your best players to come back from injury. But they've got a really good balance now. So what if happens... it's not the, broken, don't fix it. Yeah, so what happens to that balance when Joe Newell's fit again? What happens to that balance when, I mean, Kevin is, but should just be able to go back in the team, but him and Johan didn't look as good together as Johan and Hoppe do, so there's another kind of wrinkle to it. Big Mick back, where does he fit into things? I mean, he scored off the bench, that's great, but once they were already down to 10 men and Hibs were 3-1 up, so it's obviously that makes things a little bit easier. I'm forgetting something else. Oh, Kyle McGuinness as well, if he comes back in, does he demand a place at the side? Does that mean you move Josh Campbell back? You taken out? Does that they're not. The as, they're not. They're not better than the players that are playing right now, though. They're not better yeah. than Egan Riley or Jago. Um, as you but see, does, Hen- but does, does Lee Johnson overthink it? No, I think he just goes Nisbet for Hopper, Joe Newell. I've never bought into the hype around Joe Newell. Kyle McGuinness can't be trusted with his. Um, He's got to get sent IQ, off anyway. Football IQs there, uh, according to uh, Lee Johnson, he is a good player, but just is. Bustness in the midfield. I don't think he can uh, warrant a place. I, I do think Johnson is quite happy with that. That eleven you talked about, Johan, he's played himself. Uh, he's kind of lost trust in the group, but he's played, uh, worked over the winter break, tr- uh, played himself back in. Now he's undroppable. The the clear weak link, as Livingston identi- identified, was uh, Cabrera at left back. Yeah, I was gutted. I really liked him um, when I first saw him again in the St Johnston game, um, way way back in September or whatever it was. And since then, it's just it's not really working out. Um, he was mauled, um, and you know, for the Livingston goal, it, it was just all so easy um, for Nubly to outpower, um, get in really, um, and it's more a credit to the rest of um, Hibs really that that Nubly actually was kicked relatively quiet actually um, throughout the affair it, rather it didn't help that all of his teammates were shite as well well absolutely I was trying to um, not be too down on Livy um, but yeah it was not a very good Livingston performance at all so there's, there's that caveat but I, I do just think that Hibs were just very 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 good the defending for the Hibs equaliser is criminal like it's 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 the twofold thing that doesn't make any sense. Like you have no pressure on the ball at all, and you're playing a high line. And not only that, Nicky Devlin, because it's just Will Fish takes a couple of touches and then smashes the ball up the park. How is Nicky Devlin not looking at it and going, right, okay, this is when he's gonna hit the ball, therefore I'm gonna step up now? He steps up so late as if it's just been like a, a ball round the corner that he's not really seen coming. I mean, he's, he should just be staring right at it. It's, it's so bad defending. And 
even before then as well, like and, and kind of highlighting how much they were makers of their own downfall. Levy had the ball for their own goal kick. It was Jamal George's boot that was directly out of play. And then Hibbs work it back and then Fish knocks it forward. But you saw it like a couple of other times. The, the defending was just all over the place. I thought going forward they were pretty poor as well. They were so disjointed in attack. Nobody seemed to really be playing well. I thought Newbley was fairly decent, but other than him, Bruce I Anderson, thought, Bruce I Anderson forgot was Bruce rotten. Anderson was playing. I yeah, because he only had, he only had 16 playing. touches. Yep. 16 yeah. touches. By Dylan, Dylan Bambula. Uh, Dylan Bambula, uh, I think he came on for Anderson. So he had, I think Anderson was on the pitch twice as twice as long as Bambula. Bambula had more touches than Bruce Anderson because yes. like like Amy, I forgot that uh, I hadn't realised Anderson was playing. Stephen Kelly as well, barely involved. Oh, Scott, Scott Pittman looked like he was playing on a bouncy castle because all he'd done was try to win headers all day and done nothing else and and failed at that as well because he's Scott Pittman. He's about five foot eight. Midfield was non-existent. Um, Jason Holt, I can remember taking free kicks. That's what I can... Like, I, I don't remember how he won the free kicks. Um, I remember him taking free kicks. Omionga was at least in and about things, um, but not always for the, the good of his health. Um, so you just I give just, away fouls as well. well yeah, precisely. Um, but it, they were just so overrun. It was so unlivy. Like, David Martindale said, Post match, you know, everything that could have went wrong did go wrong, sort of thing. Um, but I think there is a lot to worry about that performance because, you know, I, I, it, it's tricky with Livy. But this this side very much where you know if you're giving them the credit at the time when we thought right they really could be going for Europe they really could be in a top six finish now that they are perhaps not going to get that top six finish I know that we'll say you know Livy's main goal is always just survival but when you've already secured survival basically by October November time um, barring a, a, a massive capitulation then you do they're not immune from criticism and I think that if Livy don't make top six given the you know the credit they had in the bank at, at times this season I, I do think a lot of questions should be asked of the squad for not being able to to carry that out right let's move on and go up to the game in Highlands where Motherwell continued their excellent form under Stuart Kettlewell that is now four games for Kettlewell in charge I mean, include the two games where he was an interim charge they now have three victories and one draw they were helped out a little bit by VR in this one. Could probably just get that out of the way first of all. I think it was a. I think you saw the good, the good and the bad of VR here because I think it was it was definitely the right decision to overturn that penalty call. I think it's quite clear to see on the replays. Initially, you thought that just looks like a stonewaller, but the grappling from Yakoviti does look like it starts it between him and Butcher, and then Butcher kind of grapples back. So I think that was certainly the right call there. And, why the t- technology is there to, to intervene in such moments, but then it intervened later in the game when Jack Baldwin took out Kevin Van Veen. It's a borderline professional foul. Personally, I wouldn't give it. I think I think you should always I think you should always kind of be looking at air on the side of the caution when you're making such a big decision like that. Because it completely changes the, the fabric of the game. If we're going to send somebody off and I'm not 100% certain with Conor Randall in the picture. The fact that he's so far from goal, the fact that he's quite wide as well. There's a lot of factors there which should be telling you that should not be a red card in my opinion. And VR should certainly not be getting involved because Don Robertson initially booked Baldwin for the challenge. And it is not, for me, that is not a clear and obvious error. Do either of you disagree with me? Uh, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I don't, I agree with you. That's not a clear and obvious error. My initial viewing of it was that's not 
a red card. And then you see the angle from the side, which I think the ref looked at a couple of times. I did think that Van Veen was touched it towards goal and was getting it and was ahead of Randall. So I could understand why having seen it back and seen the angle from uh, looking on that the referee decided it was what uh, it did warrant a red card. But yeah, it's, it, I think it was um, a clear and obvious error. But this is, I think this is part of the problem with the technology as well. And it's also part of the problem with these idiots who continually say, well, it's not the fault of the technology, it's the fault of the people using them. Like, which just drives me fucking mental. Because I think with stuff like that, you get confirmation bias. So if he's been, if Don Robertson's been told that he's here by the VR guys, like, oh, I think this might be a, a red card. And then he's looking at it and then he's, he looks at the angles. And for a couple of angles, you're like, ah, oh, that looks like the right decision. And then you look at another angle and go, ah, there we go. So it's like the thought's been implanted in his mind and then you're just looking for something to back that up. And that's what's always going to happen because it's fucking pointless using this shit for decisions that are all about human interpretation. Anyway, Amy, did you disagree? Um, I agree with Joe. I agree with you as well that I don't think that it was a clear and obvious error that meant that um, VR should intervene. I think if if, if Don Robertson views it as a yellow card, then I would have thought that that is okay, an okay scenario for that to sort of continue. Um, watching it, I, I can understand as well why it was eventually given as a red card. I agree with, with Joel, sorry. I think Van Veen was probably in a slightly better position. Randall is in the picture. Is he going to get there? I'm not so sure. Is he denying a goal-scoring opportunity? I think he is. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of that this weekend. Um, th- this sort of not last man, so that's not a thing. Denying the goal scoring opportunity, they've seen it there, seen it obviously in the, in the Hibs game as well, and uh, our growth on Friday. And it's all the different scenarios, obviously, that our growth Aki's, you know, um, the Aki's is, is going away from goal, so that's why that one's been rescinded. Jack Baldwin and Kevin Van Veen is obviously going more towards goal, and that's why it has stood as a red card. But the fact that here's three people here who all got different views on it is it's one of those subjective ones. <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> yeah, subjective well, let, ones. Let me, let, me, let me get to the football because I'm the only one who watched this game all the way through. Oh, well, I watched it until Van Veen scored a second and then there was about eight minutes of added time that I didn't bother with. But for the majority... God, you're crazy. You're crazy. You, you're crazy. Might have been a, might have been a crack in the final eight minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, I doubt it. But anyway, so... For this one, County were the better team, I would say, up until the red card. But there wasn't too much in it. County were the better team in terms of playing through the middle of the park. They, they, they they're certainly the better side in the midfield area. The Motherwell midfield three doesn't work. That that three should never be seen ever again. Blair Spittle, Sean Goss, and um, what's his fucking face? Yeah, Callum Slattery. It's been it's been witnessed before under Alexander. It was witnessed under Stevie Hamill. It doesn't work. It's not got the right blend. There's just, well, Sean Goss, just for me, I don't really get a, a lot of the time. International uh, call-up, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, Northern Ireland, I go back to being Northern Ireland again, and that would um, highlight it. <laughs> they are maybe sinking back down to, to where they came from in terms of international football. That's the kind of calibre player they're coming up. But yeah, that, that didn't work. County's midfield was a lot better. They got the hand-on things with the two sitting players, Victor Loturi and Noah Kenna, who have given them a bit of steel in the centre of the park. Danda ahead of them, very quiet in the first 20 minutes. I barely even noticed he was playing. Then he started to come alive. He wasn't really getting much in the centre, but then he started to drift and create overloads on both the wings. County got some joy out of that. 
Eamon Brophy started off the game really in a energetic, you could clearly energetic mood. You could clearly see that the the two goal, two assist game from the other weekend was still kind of pumping through his veins, and he was right up for it. He had he had several shots. I know it's Eamon Brophy, so it's like not really news that he had several shots, but they were all justifiable. He wasn't just shooting from anywhere. They were all kind of in, in good positions, and he was just really buzzing about the play, making great runs off the ball, getting himself involved. And County had a lot of their aspects of their play that they liked. However, why I wanted to couch a little bit and say, like, County were the better side, but really better in the midfield, is that Motherwell still retained the threat because throughout the game, even before the red card, and the red card is another extension of it, Whenever Motherwell managed to get the ball up, get it direct, go forward to Jonathan Abika and Kevin Van Veen, they constantly caused county problems. And so the evidence was Abika's header that he should have done better with in, in the first half. Kevin Van Veen had a really kind of dangerous turn on the box, which eventually I think got cleared for a corner. Van Veen brings the save at Laidlaw. That was all just them two winning their individual battles. And it speaks a lot to Jonathan Abika is... Certainly got his detractors within the model support. However, not very good. Yes. However, his arrival has meant that Van Veen no longer has to kind of patrol the entire final third by himself and can just stick to being a centre forward. And when he's able to do that, he's able to score goals. When he's got somebody playing alongside him who's good, Kevin Van Veen is good. And you saw it in this game with two well taken goals. Obviously, the ca- the caveat that Kenny were down to ten men by that point, but obviously Van Veen wins the red card as well off of Baldwin. So he, he was a huge factor. So County, for all that was good to be pleased about, I still thought they, were, they had defensive frailties even before the sending off. It's. It, it, I think it, it, it really does show you how I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, for Abika, not just because he scores against Hearts all the time, but uh, just, I, I just think he is a, a limited player. However... He is an effective limited player because you've seen it with Ross County obviously played a back four against United, switched to a back three despite fielding the exact same 11 against um, Motherwell and Hearts had a back three against Motherwell. And they still were unable to handle the, the front two because you think naturally right, you want three you want three centre-backs to go up against uh, those two to leave to leave one spare. Um, and yet they still still cause, still cause real issues. Um so, so yeah, I thought I thought Latouri was 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 certainly poor for the was it the f- first goal first uh, first goal not tracking um, who was it that uh, spill ran that, that that was the other thing I meant to bring up. Dean Cornelius coming on made an impact to Mullow. He was involved in the build up to both goals, and he just gives them a bit more drive, a bit more energy, creating stuff. I mean, he's not a creative player in in terms of what you typically think of in terms of ingenuity playing through balls. You know, seeing passes other players don't that, mm. don't that type of thing, but he makes things happen further forward. But that's and, how good. How good was he against? How good was he against Hearts? Uh, him and Spittle, just their their work rate behind Obika and Van Veen, just to make it difficult for uh, a, a, a opposition, which made the decision to start slattering Goss, who I don't think I've ever worked in their motherwell careers, um, a, a very strange one. Well, Joel, I was distracted when watching that Hearts Motherwell game from the performance of Dean Cornelius because I was slack jawed at how horrendous Barry Mackay was. 
But he managed to get himself a couple of assists on Saturday. <laughs> his Hearts defeated St. Johnson 3-0 at Tight Castle. I was wondering, where the fuck are you going? <laughs> That's a link. That's a link for you right there. <laughs> yes, Joe, we were both at this one. Hearts 3, St. Johnson 0. And then a very comfortable afternoon once Hearts got their second goal. But prior to that second goal, it was another in the many, many examples since, well, since football returned, really, with the exception of maybe that Killy game you referenced earlier where Hearts have not played well, but managed to get a result, and not only get a result, but get a convincing one as well. Yeah, that, it, it was a yeah. weird one. It was a weird one after the uh, after the game. Nielsen described it as free-flowing at times. Disagreed with that. Uh, a couple of fans like just described it as a brilliant performance. Very much disagreed with that. I thought... The thought three 0 flattered us massively. Uh, St Johnston, uh, all credit to them because they made it very difficult. Well, uh, very difficult. Um, they made it uneasy for for Hearts just because they they, they pressed really well. They um had a lot. Uh, of energy. Yeah, that's maybe something you should add. Hearts were sometimes makers of their own downfall in defence with some really hairy passing yes. out from the back attempts. Whether it was Clark or Snodgrass or James Hill. Uh, or James Hill, um, unsurprisingly. Again, I was surprised that he was. It was um, Civic on the bench and uh, and, and and not Hill. But yeah, yeah it's, it was. Um, it was it was quite ponderous and it allowed. You can look look at one way or other. It allowed St Johnston to get a foothold in the game, or St Johnston made it difficult for Hearts to uh, to play out. I just think St Johnston, if they had Nicky Clark and maybe Dan Phillips, it would have been different. I think they missed them both, especially Clark, who uh, is a much, much more intelligent striker than Conor McClellan. McLennan's not a striker. I'm not sure what he is, to be honest. I don't know An athlete. Player. Don't know if he's a Premiership former. That's for sure. Uh, but you see it with, you, you see what St Johnson were trying to do. They were trying to isolate May against James Hill on the left hand side, and Hill did have struggles at times, but they just. Similar. How was their midfield, guys? How was their midfield? I like Graham Carey. I like Cammy McPherson since he's came back. You like you like Graham Carey? Um, I don't mind Graham Carey. I don't mind Graham Carey at all. He's no, he's, he's not any good. He's got a nice left. Yeah, he's got a lovely left foot. He's got a nice left foot, but he is very, very rarely involved. Mm. Um, which like is a, which is an issue if you are um if if you're St Johnston and you need your players to be involved. Cammy McPherson was good. McPherson was good against, so they had to drop high Halberg back. Halberg was okay. Um, yeah, McPherson was good, but they just, I think there was just a good St. John's performance. They just lacked any real quality, especially in the uh, final final third, which did allow Hearts, Hearts just didn't have to be that great to win comfortably. Yeah, for the Hearts with Josh Ginelli. No. Yeah, J- Josh Ginelli continuing to show that he's just become a massive player in this team. Well, he's signing a contract. Hmm. It's interesting Good. because until recently, I'm not even entirely sure how much Hearts wanted him to sign a new contract. Even like during his good spell, I kind of you still kind of got this feeling that Hearts were kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's in good form now, but let, let's see what happens. And then he goes out against Motherwell, Hearts miss him massively, and then he comes back at this one and scores two goals. And again, as I always kind of say, he offers a, a good option as well, where you can always see him kind of pointing like for a ball in behind, and without that, Hearts don't really have it. I mean, you can kind of. 
I mean, in theory, you could replicate a little bit with Stephen Humphreys, who has yeah. a bit of pace about him himself, but Stephen Humphreys just never looks that great whenever he starts a game. The, the difference, the, the, the key difference I see with Humphreys, I, I do agree that he can play, he'd play that role. The Ginelli's a lot more relentless than Humphreys mm. in that he'll make a run. And if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't get the ball played, he'll get back in a position and make another run. Yeah. Humphreys will make one run, and then that's him. Right. That's him until like, the next. Oh, did he get? Did he get the ball? That's him until the next phase of play or the, the next attack. He'll make another run. Whereas uh, Ginelli's constantly relentless. Found them really interesting uh, speaking after the the, the game, and you saw it in the way that we played against Motherwell and then St Johnston. So against Motherwell, as Nielsen said, everything was defeat. The game, uh, the, the hearts. Uh, our game was kind of really compact because there was no one stretching the uh, stretching the play, which meant there was very little space for Shanklin to get on the ball against St Johnston. Ginelli just keeps running, keeps running, going in behind, and then you saw how often Shanklin was getting into these pockets that we want him to get into. So he's really good with the ball at his feet. He turns, set up a couple of chances, had the chance himself, but then Ginelli spoke afterwards saying that he's noticed that opposition defenses are starting to drop off him. Which is which is good for the likes of Barry Mackay. That's good for Lauren Shankland, Snodgrass, etc., etc. And then he also said that he's there uh, with the goal. The second goal he scored, a tap in. Uh, he started to study players. He's been looking at Kyogo to see how he often he's in a position where Celtic just cut the ball back or play the back, uh, ball across, and he's in the right place at the right time. He felt like he was hanging out too much. And again, that's just experience. So. <laughs> I wasn't even last week. I was thinking if we don't, if Janelli doesn't sign a new deal, I wouldn't be all that fussed just because. And I just thought it was a purple patch. But then when you analyze a bit more, listen to him speak, then you see how important it is. Do I think we need a striker who's better than Janelli? Absolutely, next season, but a very good squad option, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And a couple of things to say. Barry McKay was good after, like I said, I thought it was horrendous against Motherwell, but. Again, I've been banging on about this with Mackay for ages this season. For the majority in this game, he kept things simple. And he does very well with the goal. That's kind of Mackay at his best, you know, making the initial pass, getting forward, playing a good ball across. But for the most part, like, I've just felt so many times this season, he's tried a through ball when he's just really trying to force it or putting it across where it's not there. And sometimes in games like this, so it wasn't really till the second half where he really properly got going, but in the first half... Just get the ball. His touch is great. His touch is perfect, really, a lot of the time. Get it. Find the hearts, man. Like, you don't have to be trying all the time to just force it through defenders. And when he does that, I think it then builds his confidence up and then he can do what he done in the second half. And the other player I wanted to talk about was George Grant. Yes. Who maybe had his best game in a hearts jersey. Tell them one of them. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think it was certainly up there. It was a noticeable difference. Uh, sorry, he made a noticeable difference, especially the first half. He was even without the ball. He was making some really good runs. Uh, he was combining well with uh, Smith. Smith was coming in field. He was, uh, he was basically just being a wee bit more direct. You saw against. I keep referring back to 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 Motherwell, Devlin. For all his positives, is on the ball play lets him down so often. And you compare that to Grant, who is far more positive, far more assured. Uh, there's space for space for both of them. Uh, they both do a, a job, but I think he started to see what Grant was brought in to to do. Wanted to play 
Nielsen wanted the team to play a bit higher to get him higher up the pitch and it meant there wasn't just Snodgrass and Devlin right beside each other as they were against uh, against Motherwell getting into trouble Grant was offering different kind of angles and options and uh, yeah it was a, a much more a much more positive um, positive impact on the team Amy, you've not said anything in a while, so let's go to you first of all for Samirin 1, Celtic 5. Samirin threatened, again, to do to Celtic what they did earlier this campaign by being the only team in Scottish football so far this season to beat them when they won 2-0 in Paisley earlier on. Going 1-0 up through Makahara, but then Charles Dunn makes a right royal cunt of things, uh, gets himself sent off, Celtic score 12 minutes at the second half, and then the roof just collapses in on St. Mernas. Celtic eventually run out 5-1 winners. What was your take on your big team from Sunday? Um, It was... I was trying to think of a smart response and then I just didn't actually have one. Um, <laughs> boring those one are, though. It's half ten late. <laughs> exactly. Just, really just refer back to Wilder, it's fine. <laughs> I really was trying to think of something quirky. I've clearly been out for um, so long just that you go off about hearts. So I've just came out of the zone. Um, no, Celtic were just rather relentless in the second half, as expected. It's always going to be an uphill battle for any side when they go down to 10 men. As you said, it's just silly from Charles Dunn. He's obviously owned up to it, but you're just like, even for. No, I. I not as a Celtic fan if I take that hat off and try to look at it as a neutral and as a fan of Scottish football in general you're not wanting Celtic to have such an easy pass um, so you want to see them because like, the, 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 I think it's fair to say there, there was a little bit of angst going okay St Mirren could do, do the double over Celtic um, and I think the more that it's talked about the the, the, the greater chance of that actually happening um, and, and the fright was given with that early penalty which is a penalty um, again I, I hate how long it takes but it is a penalty and it's the right decision um, and again St Mirren done well up till then really frustrating Celtic as you would imagine they would have done for at least an hour to 70 minutes as they have done in the previous meetings at Parkhead um, and the Cup and the league since but obviously Celtic just turning like a mad machine in the final 30 minutes and it's a total juggernaut from Ange Postacoglu's side and that that just basically then happened. The, the, the key changing point again and, and I'm pretty sure Joel will agree with me on this because um, I'm sure I've heard him say it before but I beggar's belief we're Celtic are going to lose Leela Bada in the summer because the man is simply not getting to play enough football. He's not starting enough games of football and he deserves to be starting enough games of football. Why is Maeda playing? Why is he He doesn't need to play in a game like this. He he doesn't. He he simply doesn't. I I love Maeda. I really, really do. I think he's a great player. But Celtic's biggest threat, um, when I see that front three of Kyogo supported by Jota and Abada, it's, you know, rub the hands together, you're like, right, we're sorted. This, mm-hmm. this It's an unbelievable front three. And I'm not saying we're not an unbelievable front three with Maida's playing, but Abada completely changed the game when he came on. Yes, he takes his goal so well as well, um, but he is just, oh, it's chef's kiss stuff from Leila Bada. I was going to ask uh, Amy the because watching the first half especially, just like in uh, and watch going back to the Viaplay Cup final was like Yotas for all his talent. He's like really on the periphery of games. He's probably not having the impact you expect from someone of his talent. Yes, he still gets numbers, etc. Playing on the right, I take it he's just. How do you feel when he plays on the right? 
I love him on the right. I really do. Oh, really? Um, I really do love him on the right. Absolutely. Um, I think I, I, I agree with you. Wait there now. No, yeah, I do love him on the right. I thought wait there now. I've got you know. Um, I have to do like my left right hand thing and check that I'm on the right. Because side. obviously, when um, he plays with a badder, he's on the left, and then when he yeah. plays with a he's on the right. Yeah. So that that's and that's the conundrum though, because I I I get your point, um, but. I personally do think that, that Jota is more comfortable on the right, um, which probably goes against many things. Um, but I, I just like him cutting in. But what? who am I to say that? Because you look at the impact that he can have at the weekend and that's their bad effect. Um, and, I, and I do think that is why Maida does start more games off late. <sighs> to be honest, I don't know why Maida starts more games off late. That's me perhaps trying to force it in um, but to be honest I just love Jota playing wherever he, he is, he's, he's simply so good but um, I, I do take your point in that he, he can be I, I think there, there's more chance of a moment from magic from the right but probably consistently he probably is better off the left um, but I'm here for a, a mad moment of, um, of sheer quality and then wiping out a linesman in some sort of celebration I um oh yeah that's what is that is that when he he nearly, yeah, he he nearly he touches the shoulders yeah, yeah and there was some chat that oh you know he's he's pushed an official as I fuck I, I did not see any of that but no he, he certainly did not push I, I going back to the the, the front feet Mayeda heard him described as being the best player in the world when there's a ball not involved. Uh, which I think sums him up uh, pretty well. The man loves to run. Yes, he does. He's 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 just he, he's enthusiastic. He's 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 willing, and he can under- completely understand why Postecoglou loves him. But I'm thinking you play Maeda when you're coming up against Real Madrid, uh, rather than Raulin St. Mirren, where you want people who are going to make a difference. It's on the, the ball, who's able to take, yeah. yeah, who can take players on and in, um, in in tight spaces. Abada does that. I actually think Abada has the highest ceiling off any of. Celtics front players. Um, I don't think that'd be controversial saying just because he's oh, that's not controversial. No, I don't so think young. so. Um, he is uh, so talented. He's find him quite an intelligent player for how how young he is, and it just goes back to the strength and depth. Bringing Abada on, scoring. Bringing O on, scoring. Bringing O'Reilly on, scoring. Um, o did not deserve to score, by the way. Not for not for that penalty run up and the penalty itself. Shocking. Should have been disallowed. What's your problem? Fucking look at the neck of that runner. Come on, Amy. Is he, does, does he do a wee skip? Is that the one where he does a wee kind of... He does a wee, he does a wee shimmy and then he does I've a skip. I've not got a problem with that. Something okay. a little you, bit... Yeah, you fuck okay. it, wouldn't you, would you? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? But no, Simbara will not be... Um, their season will not be defined on games like this. Um, and again, it's... A, and that's what I mean. That if you know, if Dunn gets, if Dunn doesn't get sent off, I think it could have been a, a much more interesting affair, perhaps at least until the seventieth minute. Um, so frustrating, that, rather like, than the forty-fifth. Stuff happens yeah. like so, like Jesus, like because you you get excited anytime. Celtic Rangers, anytime their team looks like they might give them a bloody nose. You're like, oh, here we go, and to, to just to throw it I away. I do as a fan, such a shit error. That's probably an awful thing to say, but like I was in the car because um, I was going to, to Ainsley Park to do commentary and obviously it comes through on the radio, blah, 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 with no doubt. And then I go like, I sit and go, right, all right then, let's see what what Celtic are made of sort of thing. Um, and it's, it's another test. And then it's just always going to then be really rather simple. And I know that is so obnoxious of me to say, but it's the way that 
Ange Postacoglu has Celtic playing right now? I think the certainly the first 20 minutes submitted were really, really impressive. Uh, Curtis Main was making himself difficult to play against as he always did, did for the opening goal. And I thought Gogic had a really interesting role. Like he, was just, he was just bombarding out with defence and closing, and closing boys down. But Celtic, if you compare the, the game on Sunday to the previous game at the, the Smiso Stadium, I thought Celtic had a much better handle of it. I thought they were creating better opportunities even before the red card that Charles done. And I do think it was, yes, the red card completely changed it, but I still think the outcome, not 5-1, but the outcome would have been the same if Celtic won comfortably. Speaking of winning comfortably, Rangers 3, Kelly 1, our final game to talk about here. Rangers were 3-0 up at half-time. Kelly scored in the second half. End. Um, End. Uh, I will, I'll come in and talk about uh, Kolak. This okay. was, uh, you, could, you could tell straight away that Kolak was desperate to make an impression. There was... Uh, was, was uh, I watched the highlights on Saturday, so my my, my brain's a bit f- fra- uh, uh, frazzled. But it's certainly one of the best chances or one of the goals. It came from Cholak running to get a throw and take a throw in really really quickly. You uh, saw a lot of the performance from uh, from Cholak that you, you kind of think does he have in his game. He was um, occupying defenders. He was very mobile. He was dropping in and linking play. Uh, he was he was being uh he was being the focal point that perhaps a lot of Rangers fans want Morelos to be. Um, again, uh, be, being that nuisance, being that, but also having that that goal threat. Even if he didn't score, he was really involved in the game. It was he didn't. Sometimes I think when you play at uh, uh, Kolak, he can slow uh, slow the game down. He can't really play one touch, but he was he was playing um he was doing absolutely everything correct you want from your lone striker who is supported by a few attacking midfielders and he probably could have had maybe two three goals but uh, through selflessness Sakala's inability to look up and um, a good save I think from Walker or a good block which uh, led to one of the goals as well so he was. I think Cantwell was the best uh, going by what uh, what I've read and seen. Cantwell was the man of the match, but for me, Kolak was the one that stood Cries out. Cries off, why didn't he start the cup final? I was literally just about to ask you, Amy. Raskin, Cantwell, Jack, is that the mid-school three that should have started against Celtic? Couldn't care, mate. Couldn't they care at all. Um, I'll answer it yes. <laughs> <laughs> you've ditched, you've ditched, you only had that, that unbiased hat on very briefly there. You've, you've already thrown it away, thrown it in the fire. Um, ugh, no, I, absolutely. Um, I think that that was um, that was a huge shock actually um, when the, the teams came through for the cup final. And obviously for, for both sides, because I think um, Campwell. He, he does have a bit of something about him um, and if there is going to be someone who can spark something as was shown at the weekend he, he's just a little bit calmer and cooler um, and he's just got a little bit of quality like Michael Beale obviously went for the tried and tested <laughs> and I was which... going to say crucially unlike Malik Tillman he's fit well, also that, yes, um, and went for the more robust approach um, trying to perhaps um, 
frustrate Celtic's midfield and stamp them out rather than not not match them because they're not that good, but at least put a little bit up more of a fight. Um, so yeah, I would have I would have feared more, of course. Um, seeing seeing that, but <laughs> didn't it was, happen. Yeah, I think it was um, kind of following on from what Amy's saying there. I think it was a a, a, a lineup or a midfield choice which there was a bit. Too much respect to Celtic, a bit, a bit of fear, absolutely, a I... bit of fear perhaps. And you, you signed these two players in January, two players who um, spent you a, said a, a, a bit of money, in, and yeah, said the starters are going to be kind of the future of the Rangers in the field, and they've not started them. Instead, started two players who were clearly weren't one hundred percent fit. It's a big red flag, but um, yeah, he started them just when it mattered, not in the final, but at a home game against Kilmarnock. Who <laughs> yeah, have still yet to win away from home. So, you know, big games, big games. Can I add, just uh, be, uh, before we finish and just on Kilmarnock, I probably I was going to say, if anybody got anything to say about Kilmarnock before we finish, <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've got a cool question to ask, but I, I probably should have uh, asked Craig Anderson uh, or Scott McClymont, and they might be able to tell me if they listen, if they bother to get this far. Um, Scott Robinson. They're skipping right to the end because they know that this is <laughs> the yeah. game. Um, Scott, Scott Robinson, Robinson not starting, is, or not playing. Is, it, it's a strange one. He's played against Motherwell and McInnes afterwards spoke about Kyle Vassell. He's like, he was kind of, what he wanted to do at Rangers is hampered because Kyle Vassell was the one player who can run in, in behind the defence. Okay, Robinson's not that kind of player, but instead he put his Armstrong up front with Doidge. But you think with Robinson, what he did at Livingston and the way he occupied defenders, made himself a nuisance, is mobile and someone will uh, can deal with a long ball, whether it's putting pressure on the centre-backs. And he's he, he did it so well for Livingston, yet he was on the bench and then when McInnes had to change it, he brought Jordan Jones on, um, like tweaked to um, maybe put Armstrong out, out wide. It, it had a positive impact, but I just I just find the, the lack of game time for Robinson. I know he's been out injured for a, a fair bit, just uh, a wee bit baffling. Considering there has there. to be something reoccurring, yeah, because I agree with you that, and there was so much made of his return, wasn't there, that it was, you know, obviously a long been out as well, um, but it was just because, yeah, this is a, a bit of a bright spark and he came back like, slowly but surely because he's come back against Hearts at Tincastle actually um, yes yes um, he was very impressive I remember taking in Kelly against Aberdeen uh, at Rugby Park yep um, he was very good and and, and, and as Joel says he, he just has that um he just has that instinct. He can grab a game by the scruff of the neck as well, a little bit. Um, and, and he's going to offer something um, and offer a goal and not have to just have it all falling well, on the shoulders of Danny Armstrong. Well, the um, so I, I think there has to be something. This, no, the strangest thing is that he started and scored in Kelly's last game yeah. before this one. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but I think that there has to be something more under. There, there has to be because it. I feel like the Maybe it's just a wee pin in the arse. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Right, that'll do us. Thank you very much to Joel. Thank you. Thank you very much to Amy. Thank you. And thank you to everybody for listening. Probably should give one more shout out because we've only got a couple of days left, but we've got a live show. We're playing at Hamden Park. Tickets are £25 for our live show, but it will last. It thinks we start at half seven and doesn't finish until at least half nine. So you get two hours of our sizzling chat 
He also, the £25, it's all towards charity. We're not getting any money for this. So it's, it's for a very much a good cause. It's for children first. And including that 25 quid, you also get a pie and a pint as well. So there's much, much to be to be taking this up on. Tickets are starting to go a bit. With, uh, Joel, I don't know whether it was my sales pitch or your sales pitch <laughs> from last Thursday that uh, meant a bit of an uptick in terms of those tickets going out. But yes, please come see us. I actually wanted to go night. and see used to. There's no way it's had you. It's not Not there, us do. Sean's, Sean's there. Sean's there. there. Tell us there. Tony's there. I'm, I'm not there. That's yeah, crucially, you're not there, so that should help me up to keep as well. Boys see, night. See, see, if, uh, see, if, see if you and Taylor wasn't involved, I reckon we'd have sold out. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's I agree. True. I agree. He needs to just understand, so I can at least take the, the noble approach. Nobody wants to see a Celtic fan back at Hamden. Nobody. That's true. Although we are going to have a section talking about favourite Scottish Cup or, or favourite moments in Hamden. So that's why we want you and Taylor there. <laughs> we only talk about like once in like the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years or so. He's not got get, many chips from. Get, get, get Graham talking about the Motherwell game, get Tony talking about 2016. Roger, will be there till midnight. Joel and I will just set this one out. I'd like if I were serious beat Rangers at Hamden. No. No. That's that's uh, that's the present. Just hips a few times. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so yeah, so make sure uh, you'll find the the links we've tweeted out about it loads. So you, you'll find it be easy enough to find a link if you want to buy a ticket. Also, I'll include one uh, where uh, in the the uh, description. Yeah, the blurb, whatever you want to call it, underneath this podcast on your on your podcast player, so you can easily click onto that and then join what will be a very good night in the south side of Glasgow this coming Friday. That's it for us. We'll be back again on Thursday. Goodbye till then. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.